All right, hooligan familia. It's your host, Osahan. Welcome to another episode where we are all about the beautiful game from diverse perspectives so you can see the game as beautifully as we do. I'm your host, Osahan. So glad that you're here with us for part two of our special double feature that me and Brian did. Uh, part one, we dove into the recent slate of UEFA Nations League games. Now, the UEFA Nations League, that's a great tournament so far. But there have been some uh, great opportunities to see young talent uh, and to see, uh, really, I think it gives us a preview of what we could look forward to coming up in the next World Cup in 2022. This episode, this part two, this particular episode, me and Brian dove deep in on Project Big Picture, which just to give you a brief overview, as you peel back the layers on the onion, we find was concocted by the man, John Henry, owner of the Boston Red Sox, also of Liverpool FC. Now, me and Brian also, apart from, from breaking down uh, and doing some analysis on Project Big Picture, we also took a swing over to the Americas to see what the potential implications across uh, the other continent and continental football federations could be as a result of this. So hope you guys are ready. Get ready to dive in and hear some real hooligan logic as we get into it. to get back though to the nation the three lions brian and we need to do this deep dive i've been waiting brian for the past two weeks actually to discuss this to discuss this very topic brian news came out that move is being made by the quote unquote power six clubs in the english premier league for something called Project Big Picture. It just sounds borderline evil and dastardly, right? But as you peel back the layers, you find that there's really two teams that are at the center. There's really one team and their owner who probably is the one who crafted all of it. So here, here are first, let me read off some of the, the particulars of what they're looking to do with Project Big Picture picture here we go just some some bullet points to highlight number one there would be a change to the way broadcasting income is distributed amongst teams 15 and a half million pounds per championship team three and a half million per league one and 2.3 million per league two a one-off 250 million pound rescue package for the efl and a 100 million pound one-off gift to the FA, funding for the National League for grassroots and for the women's game, which I like, a cap of 20 pounds on away tickets for Premier League games and subsidized supporter travel, the creation of a women's league independent of the FA and Premier League. The Premier League, now here's some of the big stuff, the Premier League will be reduced from 20 teams to 18 teams, plus the League Cup and the Community Shield will be abolished. And lastly, 
changes to the Premier League voting rules, prioritizing the nine long-term stakeholder clubs. Now, you may be wondering, who are the stakeholder clubs? I'm glad that you asked in no particular order. Well, in alphabetical order here. Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, both Manchester clubs, South Southampton, Tottenham, and West Ham. Now I've just talked about the tip of the iceberg. There is there is one little there is one little uh, widget to that because there yeah, is an ahead, additional Brian. proposal. Let's, so yeah, let's if West Ham, so if West Ham were to get relegated, say like almost like last season, then it would go to the next longest serving club in the Premier League, which would be Crystal freaking Palace. I listen with the season that Crystal Palace is having. I wouldn't be shocked for something like that to happen to them. Right. So they get veto power and then they get relegated. Nice night. See you later. <laughs> Can you imagine, Brian? Yeah. We have been then it's Leicester. So we we've been talking scenarios, pros and cons, what we like and don't like about this proposed deal. But what are what were your initial thoughts when you first saw this proposal, this proposed project, big picture? I looked right at the TV deal, and uh, the TV deal sketchy. So, yeah, the $250 million probably makes up for the fact that a lot of the clubs rely on those English League Cup games for revenue, especially live revenue. Because, I mean, you go in to play an away game at Old Trafford, you could probably make $3 million just off that one game. That operates you for probably a couple months in some of those League Two clubs in particular. So that part, if they eliminate the League Cup, and yet they only get 25% of the broadcast rights. But here's the thing. John Henry, being the owner of Liverpool, of course, Fenway Sports Group, uh, he owns the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox, like the Yankees, have their own network. You know, the Yankees have Yes. The, the Red Sox have Nesson. And then and they also have the TV rights to the Boston Bruins as well. So as you can imagine, with, say, Liverpool, for example, they can make their own network. Or the the nine teams and the veto, for example, the big six clubs can make their own TV thing, get all their games on the same network, and screw the rest of the week. They could easily leave them behind. And, of course, so that 25% of the TV money, that would come from the Sky Sports deal, the BN Sports deal, and the NBC deal that is done in the United States, of course. That's what the money that the English football league teams would get. Not the if you know, English version of Nesson gets created and Liverpool, all their games get put on there. Can't stop it. It's it's evil you, genius. You, you brought up a crucial name in here, Mr. John Henry. Now, initial... The man that's the Fenway Park, but also right. the man that is, is very love and hated. It, it, it's a love-hate relationship with John Henry. Right. So, so Liverpool and Man United, more specifically John Henry and the Glazers, it... They've tried. People have tried to paint them as the central figures behind this "quote unquote" dastardly plan. Right? There's this whole project, big picture. Really, though, at the heart of it, like you mentioned, Brian, this this really reeks of John Henry. The Glazers aren't that active. They don't like getting their hands muddied and dirtied. Even in the NFL, games. I mean, Rich McKay the handled all their NFL affairs. Right. And I know that covers zero folks and, and, and company. They can probably vouch for that, too, if you look at the resume, especially since Rich McKay ran the competition committee. So that way the Glazers didn't have to handle all the NFL. They could stay on the business side, which is where they like being, which is why Edward Edward is probably has good job security like he does. But besides, exactly. But besides, that's a whole different issue for another day. But at the same time, like United and Liverpool and Chelsea and Man, Man City benefits the most because now they're, they're in the it club finally. Mm. 
So Man City would benefit a lot. Chelsea would benefit a lot. So it would prevent an Abramovich. So say, for example, if Burnley, right? I mean, that was the example uh, that uh, one of the YouTube channels used. Burnley or, uh, you know, Newcastle. Say if Newcastle finally gets a freaking takeover. Now Mike Ashley's stuck with the club because Manchester United and Liverpool are afraid of Newcastle rising to their mid-90s glory. Now for old, for United fans Ooh. of that era, you know, I bet you don't miss losing out on Al, Alan Shearer because he was a Liverpool fan, I mean, a Newcastle fan growing up. You're probably not happy about that. But at the same time, you know, Newcastle being another team, if Crystal Palace or whatever, if there's more money in these teams and there's competitive, I mean, look at Everton, right? All the money they spent, they're not competitive. There's no guarantee that everyone's going to be competitive. Even then, it took Man City like three or four years mm. in the Premier League. Even if you were to play, you know, I mean, not everything's like a video game, you know, where, you know, you get it just right and you got everything going for you. You know, it's not like that. I mean, there's a lot of human factors here. Right. But another two team, I don't like going down to 18 in the Premier League. I like it being 20. I think it's, I mean, everyone talks about, oh, 19 and 20 if aren't competitive. I'm like, well, yeah, because, you know, look at the money disparity. I mean, look at what, look, the Bundesliga is at 18 teams. You think Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf was probably 60 points away from Bayern Munich. Mm. Should they go down to 16 teams? Does it make a freaking difference? Sometimes you change it too many rules and it makes it too complicated. Right. I think sports needs to take more of a, uh, you know, a laissez-faire approach in this and just keep things the way they are if it's working. What I do like is the $100 million going straight to the FA. I'm for that. I'm for letting the woman have their own independent, uh, you know, being able to fund the women's league correctly. Yep. Yep. Uh, John Henry may have taken a book out of the NBA in that regard because Wick Speck being one of the owners that absolutely supports the WNBA. So John Henry may have been rubbed off there by Wick Speck in that regard. Um, he may have also looked at the uh, Major League Baseball collective bargaining and saying that the Premier League should probably head towards the same way. But I like that John Henry didn't even propose it here because he's probably keeping it in his back pocket for later because he's going to see how much power he can actually get. Genius. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this screws the mid-table clubs of the Premier League, like the lower mid-table clubs. So like hold West on. Let Ham, me... A Burnley, a Crystal Palace. Those teams get screwed. Even if West Ham gets veto power, they're still screwed. Let me let me interrupt you real quick in regards to the collective bargaining comment that you just made. I was where was I? I was in the barber shop. As a matter of fact, I'm in the barber shop, and I'm me and my barber are watching NFL today, and I'm seeing the details about Billy Bean leaving the Oakland A's. Now I had read about it earlier. After 30 years, he's leaving. I didn't really see too many details about it. I just heard, oh, Billy Bean's, Billy Bean's leaving. All right, that's cool. Moneyball, bye. Then I see the details of it, and the details go go as such. It's more like he got a big-time promotion. Right, a big-time promotion because as being a part of the Fenway group, there's a proposed merger between the Fenway group and the Red Ball group. Uh, Red Ball uh, is the soccer arm really handles the soccer side of things for John Henry. And so they wanted Billy Bean to be a part of that. However, it would be uh, essentially a conflict of interest for Billy Bean to be a part of two organizations that have a hand in two MLB teams, one being the Oakland A's, the other being the Red Sox. The Red Sox. And so, that LeBron uh, is also going to be profiting off this in some way. Right, because LeBron has has an ownership stake in in Liverpool. So immediately the light bulb goes off for me. Aha, 
Project Big Picture, Billy Bean. This guy's got to have some sort of hand in it. And if he does, on the Liverpool side of things, even if it's not for Project Big Picture, even if he has any sort of financial dealings and wheeling and dealing that he does for Liverpool, that's a very good move for Liverpool for the future. I mean, there are not many GMs and pro sports that have signed less bad contracts than Billy Bean. That is a, a great move. And listen, Manchester United, do yourselves a favor. Take notes. Take notes. Go, go find somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Okay. I mean, hey, I mean, Billy Bean's a baseball guy, but I guarantee you some of the scouting elements and the money ball factor, I guarantee mm-hmm. you they can make a form. I guarantee you. Analytics, all of that. Right. Mind so you. Billy Bean's probably already uh, talking to all the da- data analysts at Liverpool. Yes. Gone. Yes. Okay. What do you know? What do you need me to do? Because as far as I'm concerned, Michael Edwards and I can negotiate the deal. There is not a deal that you're going to not get on us. Edwards already is a very good negotiator on his own. Mm-hmm. Now he's got backup. He's got one of the honestly one of the best in the world. He's got the the best best. backup. I mean, the only other baseball GM I would probably take over Billy Bean is Theo Epstein, but John Henry, but John Henry basically doused him via Dan Shaughnessy ten years ago, so that's impossible. (laughs) Local boy, shout out to Theo Epstein. So, so going back to to Billy Bean real quick, we saw in this past transfer window, Arsenal. I mean, not Arsenal, Liverpool. Of course, Tiago, great buy. They didn't really right. spend too much on him. Uh, Diego Jota, another great buy. Didn't spend too much. Now keep in mind, they the Ryan shown. Brewster deal kind of paid for both of those two. Oh, that's true. So what we've seen, though, with Liverpool is in terms of their cash flow or in terms of their spending, they tend to be pretty conservative. So you bring in someone like Billy Bean, and you look at the way this team is is already ascending. Liverpool has, I, I admit, we said going into this season that we didn't see Liverpool repeating as as league champs. We saw not them at the way, in not at the way three, they came in, fourth. not at the way they came in. But these moves that they've made, both personnel wise and in the front office, especially with Man City struggling right now. Who th- this this is going to be interesting. Now going back also to to another thing you mentioned. In regards to moving the league down from eighteen team from twenty teams to eighteen teams, here's here's how I see it. You move the league down from twenty to eighteen. I think also if you do that, fourteen through eighteen should have or fourteen through sixteen. I'm sorry because what is it? The bottom two get relegated. Should have. Well, some I mean, why not allow playoff. seven? Why not allow the seventeenth and eighteenth place teams to fight for their relegation? That's true. There should why be not? some sort of relegation no. playoff. There should be some sort of playoff to incentivize it. If you're going to make that kind of move, and then in the championship, uh, the playoff, you should expand the playoff in the championship. Right. I mean, it's, it, you can pull a round robin. I mean, I'm sure that that can be done. Yeah, I mean, you're, it, so it, like it, if you so like if the 17, so say if they went down to 18 teams in the Premier League, mm-hmm. they could have 17 for an 18th play in a game, and mm-hmm. then the 18th place teams automatically relegated. Done. 17th moves on, and then they play the winner of 15th and 16th, and then all of a sudden that happens. Then 16 is relegated. That's the two teams that get relegated. There you go. And then, obviously, they, you could do the same thing in the championship. It's very simple. I think the way the championship does it is awesome. I actually like it that way. And I think it also, when if you look at it, if you're reducing down, you're taking two 
two teams out, which essentially means you're taking two games off the schedule. So teams, instead of playing, was that 38 games in a season, are now going to be playing 36. Plus, if they get rid of, what is that, the League Cup that they're proposing to get rid of? And the, the League Cup is a very important part of this with the broadcast mm-hmm. deals because keep mm-hmm. in mind, uh, I think the Rochdale president, who is very very opposed to this deal, said he made, they made $3.17 million uh, pounds off yeah. of that Manchester United away game last year. Wow. And that kept them afloat for three months wow. by itself. And right. they were able to keep everybody. So Rochdale, you know, and that's a League One club. You know, it's not like a National League or even League Two. Right, that's you a know, league one. It's a League One squad, so that's that's a big deal. And that, and you know, three four million in League One. You try playing football manager as a League One team. Three four million is like a hundred million in the Premier. That's league. your life. That is your life, that's right there. Livelihood, right there. Brian, let me ask you this: Do you think that the financial blowback that COVID has produced has made teams less amicable towards this proposed idea? Well, I think some teams are already kind of struggling before that. I mean, Wigan Athletic was already kind of Who? struggling. Yeah, Wigan went into administration. Uh, Blackpool had their struggles a couple of years ago. They fought back. They didn't do they're, – they're in trouble now. But Sheffield Wednesday is another club because of how big United – I bet Sheffield United got a big bandwagon probably. Uh, that's probably a big reason too. Uh, I'm not trying to insult any Wednesday fans out there. Yeah. But like – that's the thing. Like all these teams are like community clubs, and never mind the whole national league is struggling because I mean attendance to those. I mean that's like single A baseball, Osahan in America. Like mm. that's that's like you know for those small towns, that's like a fun thing to do. No, absolutely. I've seen I've seen uh, whether it's documentary footage, uh, stuff you see on social media regarding these clubs and. Like you said, this is the this is the fun thing to do when you get out into the the community. This is the it's almost like the watering hole for the community to come and and watch a match. It's a, it's an integral part of what they do. Ryan, you you proposed something interesting when you and I were talking about this offline about the possibility of t- some teams merging. Talk a little more about that. Well, so say for example, if Wednesday's struggling, I mean, why not Sheffield Wednesday? I mean, it will never happen because they're hated rivals, and I totally understand how wrong this is. But why not merge with Sheffield United? And then Sheffield can have like a Southampton type of financial stoutness, or at least it becomes more marketable. And of course, you know, Sheffield, technically, if Sheffield had like one good team, I mean, they could be as good as a Southampton. I don't see how they couldn't be. It's not like, you know, Sheffield, the Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United. They've been in the Premier League before, both teams, collectively. Right, right. It's not like they're strangers to the top level of English football. Hmm. Brian, what are your thoughts as well? I mean, I would like to see I would like to see Celtic and Rangers freaking just ditch the Scottish League and go to the Ooh. I would love to see Celtic and, and Rangers do it. Because you know, Rangers would probably be between like Crystal Palace and West Ham good to maybe Burnley good. Mm-hmm. Could possibly be Leicester good. But the problem with Rangers is that I don't know if that ownership group. Well, then again, Rangers might be like prime real estate at that point anyway. So that's that, that they might be bigger real estate than Newcastle at that point. So Ooh. the millionaire could go in and get that. And I love the idea of Celtic in the Premier League because there are a lot of Celtic fans on Twitter that think that probably think to themselves, we could probably be a top eight team in the Premier mm-hmm. League. 
Oh, yeah. They're probably looking at the TV money going, hey, man, you know what? We're the most popular team in Scotland. If we Throw can it our way. It, if we can do it. And then, yeah, you know what I mean? And I don't blame them for thinking that way. Because, I mean, if the, if the, if the Premier League deal is probably, let's say, 10, 20 times more than the Scottish League, and you win it 10 years in a row, like, Celtic and Rangers are always first and second. Now, I'm also I, I'm also not opposed to seeing Benfica and Porto and Sporting all go to La Liga either. I, I, I wouldn't mind that either. Oh, I wouldn't mind that this either. Is fun. Okay. I wouldn't mind that either because I think okay. Benfica I think Benfica would find a way to be a top five side. In La Liga, absolutely. I think Porto would find a way to be somewhere in the top six or seven. Like put it this way. Benfica and Porto are run not I'm not sporting. I'm leaving sporting out of this conversation of competence because sporting is the Valencia of Portugal. But <laughs> <laughs> cold blooded, Brian. Cold blooded. Uh, uh, but at least they got eighty million for Bruno, so that's not terrible. But then again, Bruno's their David Silva. So that's 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 my comparison. To that. So Porto and Benfica both have very, very fiscally responsible clubs. Ethically speaking, eh, but Financially speaking, they're very, very stout. And keep in mind, the managers that have come out of both clubs have been successful all over the world. So it's not just like they're good in one country and they. Pfft, no, you have like Bruno Lodge goes to uh, Jorge. Actually, Jorge Jesus goes to freaking Brazil and wins the Brazilian league. Yeah. That's fired at Benfica. Congratulations, yeah. bro. And Bruno Lodge being his replacement wasn't any better either. It was the same thing, and then they they sell everybody, and then they buy a veteran team, and then they get out of those contracts, and then the young players. They it's like Benfica right now is a money machine. Like Benfica right now, if they were in La Liga, would be a top five, top six side because their youth academy. They would actually hold on to those guys instead of selling. Oh, that's my whole logic. And La Liga's TV deal would be much more beneficial than Portugal's. Never mind the fact that Portugal would still have all those. I guarantee you, they would have their own network at that point, which they probably. Right. I think they actually do. Like they have their own like, like setup, but they don't have like a network like to say the way the Red Sox do, for example. Mm. So, l- looking back at this deal, like, not this deal, but this proposal, right? Pro- proposed abolition of the Community Shield. I'm thinking maybe they could just repurpose the Community Shield, Brian. Yeah, repurpose like, it, reposition it somewhere. Because at this point, if you or make I that mean, a playoff game. Or make, make that, that title a for game. a playoff game, yeah. Or what if, not even make it a playoff game, what if it's it's used as an incentive for another Europa League spot? I like that the best, actually. I still like that idea the best. Make it, make it an incentive for another Europa League spot. And especially, think about it, if, if for example, they make that move and bring over uh, – like Celtic and Rangers incorporate them into the Premier League. You open up another Europa League spot. One of those two teams is ta- is going to uh, gear is taking that spot. One of those yeah. two teams is going to find a way to get get that spot. Yeah. I see a lot of pros with this project big picture talk. I mean, first of all, like the expansion, I mean, with all the money that was spent on the women's game this summer, I know we didn't mm-hmm. talk much in bulk in it. Yeah. But like, they're still trying to figure out how to make this league work. So I'm kind of okay with them taking their time and not going like, let's throw a bunch of money at it and that's it. Because they tried doing that with the American League and it failed. And I but think they will the British be... League are trying to build an infrastructure and I kind yeah. of respect that. And they will help trailblaze for women's leagues across Europe as well and maybe even the world when you look at uh, what, what other countries have leagues. Uh, La Liga, France, France 
uh, it, I think it'll give a good blueprint for solid a solid future for those leagues. Like a women's champions league, sign me up. So, listen, I'm right there. That that's the next evolution because I'm tired of waiting every four years to watch a women's World Cup. Not saying that I don't pay attention to the women's game throughout, but that's they don't get much coverage. But you have a women's Champions League that's going to get press. That's going to get good coverage right there. So right. providing money for the women's game, I'm all for it, and I'm all for building a potential blueprint that other leagues around across Europe and maybe even the world can look at and say, yeah, let's copy that. Con- I mean, even if, oh, even oh. if the women's game were to utilize the MLS rules, I'm not saying like mm, the craft okay. rules, but maybe before craft. Yeah. Before Robert Kraft kind of in, in, in ruined it for We everybody. don't speak that name. Um, go ahead. But besides the point, like if they go with the way the MLS did in the 2000s when they weren't trying to expand and put like 18 million teams everywhere. That was crazy. That could work in the women's game because there's already infrastructures and it would allow teams to have time to build the academies. Now, what's that going to mean is that there's probably going to be a lot of American families getting approached by a bunch of English, well, British accent people going, hey, you want to play for Tottenham Hotspur? Like, right. you know, they're going to have like, oh, now it's like, I wonder how that's going to get handled. Because obviously, you know, you look at Christian Pulisic who went over to Dortmund at 15. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know. Just West following Virginia. in Landon Donovan's right. footsteps, though. Landon Donovan did the same thing. Right. And, of course, you know, look at Weston McKinney going to Schalke. Mm-hmm. Um, look at, uh, you know, Gio Reyna going over yep. to Dortmund at 15, 16. So how is, they, how is, how are, how is the American media going to handle American girls getting going over? American to girls. Yeah. That's like going double to be. Standard, the double standard with women in the media, with women in sports, with women in politics, it's going to exist. And I hope that I don't think the I think the European media is ready. I don't think the American media is ready because I think what America is going to want to doesn't want to admit is that they're not the best in something. So if their women's league is not better than this women's league, then they're going to blow it up into something. Right. Because that's why men's soccer is not popular in this country is because <laughs> it's like something we talked about with Robert Cobb a long time ago. Like, right. Because America is not number one in the world at it. We don't want to try. We don't care. Right. I, here, here's what I believe, though, Brian. I mean, you look at people like Sean Deitch that are not supporting this. You look at Husenhudel, who called it boring, which I love Husenhudel's honesty. <laughs> I appreciate Even when back he was at Leipzig, he gave great press conferences. Right. So, like, that, that's the whole thing, which, I mean, but we don't want to take away from diminishing what the good things are in this. But right. also keep in mind, for someone like Sean Deitch, who played a long time, he played a lot of years. Yeah. And he played in all four divisions in England. And he coached in all four levels in England, too. Boy. So he's someone that, even though as a manager you may question, but he's someone that has a lot of credibility when it comes to this. And he says you want to help those clubs, but at the same time, it should be one vote. And there's no – he said it's impossible to do any deals. Have, and even he said that some of the championship clubs should have say in the Premier League, too. Interesting. Actually, actually, I, actually I, I think that way, too. Like some of the championship – like the top half of the championship clubs – that have some Premier League history, they should also right. say right because the they, they have Premier League history and they're always constantly going to be in and also that keep in fight. Mind, the championship getting that TV deal with ESPN Plus, they signed it last September. Oh Machine yeah, yes, by the English Football League because Absolutely. I don't think they would have been able to get that kind of money right now. Mm. Just saying, as the NFL gets closer to a Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football fight again in 2021, so of course. Keep that in mind. Brian, I'll ask you this, and I think we can we can cross the line here, round home on this. 
What are your thoughts about if this, let's say this deal happens, what are your thoughts on Premier League teams, maybe, or even championship teams, maybe getting some affiliate clubs in, let's say, on the African continent? I would even say teaming up with some of the MLS clubs like Inter Milan did with David Beckham or uh, maybe like a Red Bull. Or, or like Man City did with New York. Absolutely. With New York FC. Like, I think uh, that's – yeah, I think that's that, that might even be better. I mean, look at this way. Like not everyone's like Los Angeles that can sell themselves. I also think that America – and I, I know Felipe is against this and I think CJ probably would be too if we actually discussed it in whole – is that I don't think a lot of the Mexican league wants to even merge with the with the MLS, but I feel like if you can get a Canada-U.S.-Mexico league, and then you'd be able to have two full divisions of fully adequate teams, I think North American soccer would take off, especially so with some been, of the Mexican teams. Yeah. Now, I know that Mex- a lot of the Mexico teams would have a lot more money, and then you have L.A., New York, whatever, but I think some of the European clubs would actually – be more convinced to loan out their young players to this league. To this, to this, like a continental league, a right, like you said, a true North American soccer league, not like what they had in uh, back in the was that the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That I know they right. call that the NASL. That wasn't really a North American soccer. So, league. like for example, like Chelsea, like for Chelsea, for example, right. Right. Now, you're not going to be able to get a, a like a, a Bakayoko or something like that, but you might be able to get like a Connor Gallagher. Hmm. Or you might be able to get like some of the kids that are coming up right now that are 19 or 20 years old. Um, or maybe a player a little past his prime, like Antonio Candreva, for example. I mean, you could still bring in those kind of players. I mean, what's wrong with bringing in guys in their 30s that are t- like Nani? Nani's still very good. Still efficient, I mean, still up, potent. Right. I mean, you look at players in Europe, they go to the Turkish League. What's the freaking difference? Yeah. Why not send those players to the United States? Bradley Wright Phillips is still putting balls in the net. I mean, I've heard and I've heard I've heard talk about doing uh, uh, combining the the MLS and, uh, you know, Liga MX. Most it's mostly fans of Liga MX who are not fans of it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. And I think a lot of them would agree if the American teams, if the MLS teams had the money to operate in the same system that the Brazilians and the Argentines use, then yes, I don't think anyone would be against it. I mean, they're an 18 team league. Um, You could probably split it into two leagues at first, and then you could form your 18 teams at that point, or you could form your 20 team league. You could actually have a 40 team, two full divisions. And then you could even have it. So it's like a champion. The champions of both leagues can go head to head. You could even set it up that way. You don't even have to have it as two as division one and division two. You can literally have it as like a major league baseball, like 30 teams, and then have it two 15 team divisions and then just go at it. There's nothing wrong with that either. I'm not against that either. Actually, I think that's the best way to do it. So I currently mean, you would I have mean, so like what? for example, you would have a Toronto, uh, New England, uh, New York, both New York teams, into Miami, Orlando City. L.A., both L.A. teams, Seattle, Portland, and then maybe Colorado, Minnesota, and then Chicago Fire. That might be the American teams that go into this new league. That top division. And then Liga MX, because it's more about the markets. For America, it has to be more about the markets because that's how American sports work. Right. Mexico, you could go with literally the top eight. So, like, 
Guadalajara, Pachuca, Monterrey, Tigres, America, yeah. And then, you know, if, and then you still have Club Tijuana and Juarez and Atlas hanging around in the other league. Yeah. So you can set it up like that way. But again, that's really messy. <laughs> if <laughs> if they combine really it right now, if they combine right now, MLS has 26 teams. Plus, they're still looking to add, I think it's two more expansion teams within the next four to – no, not two more. I think it's four more expansion teams that they have right. on the hook in the next three to four years. Um, Liga MA. MX has 18 teams. So that's a total of 44 teams that you would combine into this league. Let's, let's, if we split it in half, that's 22 and 22. Both uh, teams are playing potentially 42 games a, a year. Um, right. Do they have also, think about it, is there going to be a, a, a league, a continental league cup? Um, poss- and, and these teams also still com- uh, compete compete in the CONCACAF club championship as well. Um, maybe See, that would be more fun if they can get the Brazil, Argentine, and Uruguay teams involved. See, no, that's the best. That's, but they're a whole nother hemispheric. Uh, but, that's the, but the thing is, and, I think yeah. if, 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 if League of MX fans are going to be convinced to even merge with the U.S., that's got to be on the table. Call we, You can just call it an America's Cup, the, the America's Cup. You got North you and South America can. just going. I mean, especially if, like, Central America, I mean, let's put it this way. South America is the most competitive continent. Mm -hmm. You literally do the Copa America, and it's literally super competitive. Now, I would like to see the Copa America Centario just have the United States, Mexico, and all this. So if I'm going to go for that, then I also have to petition at the club level. We can see, you know, I mean, granted, the Brazilian teams might dominate this anyway. But Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, all those South American teams, can actually like compete on a Champions League or, or Europa League type of competition with the U.S. teams. That would be very beneficial and actually grow. And the thing is, for a lot of the young South American players and the long Central American players, again, that gives more opportunities for those players to actually make more money elsewhere. Because let's face it, a lot of those South American countries, you're not going to be able to make that much. That's why, and that's why they leave, especially Brazilians. They they I mean, Colombia to Colombia's the high been, actually Colombia, I think, is oh, the yeah. best example. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. They they will go to the highest bidder because you need like the imagine if a Jefferson Farfan at eighteen years old playing wow. in the second division of Columbia got a chance to play in the like a Nashville in uh you know an America's League game and he scores mm. two goals in that game instead of getting signed to twenty two to go over to a Brazilian league team before going over to Spain, he might have gotten signed at nineteen by a big time European club that goes, Hey, this kid's freaking good. So but, it's about exposure. Okay. Which is one of the things Bielsa talks about all the time is being able. You got to be able to get everybody because if you miss somebody, you might not know how uh-huh. good you actually are. It's right. one of the things that he talked about way back in the day when he used to coach in Argentina mm. because he used to have to set up scouting legions all over the country. But also, Brian and I, we can wrap on this. Mm-hmm. If a potential merger was to happen between the MLS and Liga MX. Something that would have to take place immediately or prior to it. Pre, honestly, I think it would be the step preceding is a complete overhaul of United States soccer, of the whole federation, of the whole system. That is the only way I think that this would actually work. And I know we are going to do, we will do an episode in the future on what that potentially would look like, but I honestly think that's the only way that th- that a move like that would also be seen as credible by not just Liga MX, but also by the South American uh, 
uh, clubs and leagues as well if we were to do a giant America's Cup. The only way I think they would they would be down with it because as it stands right now, we we talked about I think it was a couple episodes ago, three or four episodes ago, about how good the United States is going to be, especially come World Cup twenty twenty two. But that is purely and strictly because if Josh Sargent, over, if Josh Sargent can get some big uh, two seasons for Werder Bremen. If come on, I mean Josh Sargent literally dictates the future of how good Team USA is going to be mm-hmm. because. Zach Steffen is the number two at Manchester. The number two at City, right? You already so, have a Weston McKinney. You already have a Serginio Dest. Uh, let's not forget Timothy Weah. Yes, he's had injury issues, but he's over at Lille. Uh, he, the, these guys are not playing at small time. And the Rafael Leal spot, too. That's the yes. Rafael Leal spot, the Pepe spot. Yeah, these are not small time clubs. But, like I said, you're looking at a, a, a U.S. team that is that – is primarily talented and their talent pool is primarily in Europe. If they are to if they are to sustain what they're doing, you can't just have players playing all in Europe. You need the domestic game because right now it looks just like it does with for example the uh, leagues in South America where players are like, "Listen, I got to go catch the highest dollar." It's not that the MLS is not that talented. The problem is there's not the cash flow in there to keep it going. And also, like we've stated before on this program multiple times, soccer in the States is a rich man's game. So in the future, my hope and my prayer is for the future of U.S. soccer that they just overhaul the whole system. But tracking all of this back to project big picture, that whole, that this potential move, if this happens, if project big picture goes through or some variation or iteration of it goes through, I think it sets off a domino effect for the rest of soccer across the world, not just in England, but and not just across Europe, but I think across the world because it's going to force teams. Think about the think about the you know British soccer, a bastion of the of the game in Europe. For them to make a change like that after a hundred plus years, I mean the Premier League, of course, the the introduction of the Premier League was great, of course. But to make a change of this magnitude with the financial implications at this stage in the history of British soccer sends a message, I think, to the rest of the world and to leagues across the world to look at what they're doing and say, huh, how can we toy with this? How can we do this better? And of course, Brian, of course, so of John course, Henry, John it took Henry an American, took an American yeah. to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, John Henry was also very monumental, along with Steinbrenner. And um, uh, we got to give George Steinbrenner and John Henry a lot of credit because even though they did kind of the same thing in baseball, but in essence, it probably gave baseball the sense of a collective bargaining and it may have saved the small market clubs, despite the fact that the popularity of the game has fallen for reasons that are not the owner's fault necessarily. It's more so, I think... There's a lot of other faults into the why baseball's fallen, and that's not our that's not our topic to discuss. But at the same time, for soccer in the United States to kind of ca- capitalize on that, which I think that's the audience that you have to catch, maybe because of changing demographics and whatnot. How do you get those fans? And I think if, for example, if you're looking at, you know, look at what England can do. If John Henry can find a way to get Celtic and Rangers, you know, that's that's some shrewd business right there. That's the best thing he can do for the Premier League. The Pull, best kick thing. It down, kick it down to 18 and then add Celtic and Rangers as a 19 and 20. That's that's what he should do. I love it. But once again, ha, it took an American to make it happen. 
Come on, folks. But with that being said, that is a wrap on this episode of the Reformed Hooligans podcast. We had to we had to do a double feature because of this project big picture. And we hope we do us a favor, share your thoughts on this as well. Share your thoughts with us. Uh, what your guys' opinion is on this potential move. Um, and I'm looking for it, honestly. You know, Brian and I, we talk often offline, brainstorming, dreaming, uh, discussing about all kinds of things. But one thing I know that we both have a passion for is the business and the politics of the game. And, and in this Project Big Picture, we see a huge collision of those things. And so in the future, honestly, guys, keep your eyes peeled. Similar conversations will be happening regarding African soccer, regarding the American soccer. We're going to have some conversations, okay, folks? So keep your eyes peeled and your ears tuned and ready for those when they do come. As always, I'm your host, Osahan, with my guy, Brian, signing out.